as I was standing back there, I was just thinking about uh, Revelation 19, where it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where at the end of the age, the bride and the groom are united at one table, celebrating the Lamb that was slain. And I just imagine sitting there with all the people we read about throughout Scripture, the great cloud of witnesses, everyone testifying to how the Lamb has saved them, testifying how how Jesus has changed their life, how Jesus encountered them. And think about the man who is at the well and he stands up to give a toast to the Lamb and he holds his mat above his head and he says, I remember when I couldn't stand on my own and Jesus met me at the well. And then the woman with the issue of blood, she stands and she says, I remember when I looked everywhere, I tried everything to cure my disease. And I touched the hem of his garment in all pain and bleeding and disease went away in an instant. And then Lazarus will stand up and he says, I remember when I was dead and Jesus raised me to life. And then the little girl will say, me too. I remember when I was dead and my parents thought I was done. And Jesus met me and he raised me to life. And Mary will stand up and she'll say, I remember when I wasted it all. And I poured out my alabaster flask of ointment all over his feet. And I saw the beauty in his face. And Peter (laughs) will say, I remember when I denied him three times. But yet he chased back after me like he did the first time and he called me to follow him again. I remember when Jesus didn't give up on me. And Paul, he'll stand up and he'll say, I remember when I was on the road to Damascus, persecuting and killing the church. And Christ in his glory encountered me. And he'll say, I remember when I counted everything as lost when I encountered this man Jesus. And I counted everything as lost and as dung and as trash for the glorious and boundless riches that are found in Christ. And then we'll hear stories that we've never even heard before about addicts and about people who were lame and whatever. Things that we didn't even on the other side of the country and in foreign lands about how Jesus and the Spirit of God encountered them and their lives were instantly changed. And the two men from Germany, they'll say, I remember when we wanted to see the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Mm -hmm. And we we risked everything and we sold ourselves into slavery because we knew that the gospel would work. When When we forsook our lives, left everything at home, And we went for the sake of the gospel. Because we knew that the same way that Jesus encountered and saved us was the only answer for the rest of humanity. And we're going to be sitting there hearing these stories. And eventually it'll come around to you. And it'll be your turn to testify and to tell how Jesus saved you. How Jesus changed your life. How you, you were stuck in addiction and pornography and drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah. And Jesus encountered you and he was the treasure in the field that was worth selling everything for. Amen. Amen. Come on. We celebrate the lamb tonight. The beautiful bridegroom. And we thank you, Jesus, for the riches in your glory. We thank you for meeting us here tonight, Lord. 
as you always do. And we make much of you tonight. We humble ourselves before your throne. And we say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Worthy. The one that heaven never stops singing to. Holy. Worthy is the Lamb. We exalt you tonight, King Jesus. Yes, yes. I ask for you to move in hearts. Yes. Unveil more of you tonight, Jesus. We want to we grab hold of more of your riches tonight. Yes. Hide me behind the message of the cross. I'm not here yes, Jesus. for recognition. I'm not here for eloquent speech. Here to glorify you, to bring honor and glory to your name, Lord. Yes. Have your way tonight. Yes, Jesus. We ask for a fresh revelation of Jesus tonight, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can sit down. We might. We're kind of packed, bro. Praise God. Um, We have three seats on the front right here. Three seats on the front. No back row Baptist. Front row. It's a joke. Relax. Three seats in the front. Yup. Are we scared of the front row, guys? I don't spit, I promise. I might spit, actually. I might spit. I don't think my breath stinks. They might. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jackson, this one's spotted. Yeah, Jackson. All right. Um, thank you guys for being here tonight. We're stoked to be with you, um, as always. A lot of familiar places, familiar faces, a lot of new faces. Praise God. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome to Ignite. Uh, we're so happy you're here. We're, you're now family, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, and we love you. Yeah. And we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're a returner, if you're a vet, let's go. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and get into it. Um, as many of you probably know, today is Palm Sunday. Come yeah. on, somebody. Uh, what exactly that means, uh, this is the day that Jesus rode in on the donkey. Uh, and it is a week before the greatest day in human history um, and the greatest day in our faith. And that's Easter Sunday uh, when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords did in fact triumph over death, hell, Amen. sin, and the This is a good thing to celebrate, guys. Um, so, as this is Palm Sunday, next week is Easter. Um, if you guys are new here, um, actually, if you guys aren't new here, you know that you're going to get the gospel every time you step foot. Oh, yeah. um, we don't, yeah. we don't feel like we have to preach anything else. Uh, we don't feel like we have to add anything to it. In fact, we say all the time, when you when you add to the gospel, you lose the gospel. Um, yeah. So that's that's all we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and as, as we're a week away from the resurrection, I just want to approach the cross tonight um, and I pray that these gospel realities, these gospel truths will just hit your heart in a new and a fresh way. Um, they're infinite. Ephesians 3 says that there's boundless riches that are held in Christ, infinite, unsearchable riches that are found in Christ. Um, and I believe that the gospel is just a never-ending well that we get to drink from. Um, one of my favorite depictions of the gospel uh, is actually immediately before the cross, and that's the story of Barabbas. Um, so we're going to be talking about the story of Barabbas tonight in Matthew 27. You guys can go ahead and turn there with me. Matthew 27, we'll get right into it. I'm going to take a sip of water. Praise God for water. Starting in verse 11, uh, when you're there, just punch your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) All right. 
Starting, starting in verse 11. Starting in verse 11. It says this. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? I love this. Jesus says back to him, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But Jesus gave no answer to him again. Not even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release to the crowd any prisoner whom they wanted. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, said to, them, said to the crowd, Who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who was called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they delivered him up. Besides that, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, Pilate's wife came to him with word and said, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. The governor again said to him, Who do you want me to release to you? And the crowd cried, Barabbas! Pilate said to him, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. Just to give a little backstory of kind of where we're at, uh, this, is, this is right after the Garden of the Gethsemane. Uh, where Judas betrays Jesus with, with a friendly kiss. Judas, his disciple, um, sells out, basically, uh, for 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. Judas brings the Roman guards to where Jesus is, kisses Jesus to signify that this is the one who you're capturing. Roman guards, they take Jesus away, and they're now here before the cross. And and Barabbas, he, he's a little bit of an obscure character in this story, right? Yeah. It's just, it seems like this random dude entered in a random part of the gospel narrative on quite literally the saddest day in human history, but also now we know the other side of it, the most glorious day in human history. And here this, here's this guy, Barabbas, who just gets thrown in. It's, it's almost disgraceful, right? It's like, here's Jesus. This, is, this, is all, this should be all about Jesus. This should be all about the cross. And here's the mission of Barabbas. There's plenty of people in the Bible who have stories about them and their names aren't mentioned. And here's Barabbas who actually hasn't done anything but be a notorious prisoner and his name's mentioned. Why? Why? I believe that Barabbas, the insertion of Barabbas in the gospel narrative is one of the greatest pictures of the insertion of us in the gospel narrative. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Uh, but we don't even know much about Barabbas. Uh, he's mentioned in all four gospels in the same spot. He's never mentioned again. He's never mentioned before. We don't know much about him other than the fact that he is, in fact, a notorious sinner. Yeah. He is, in fact, a murderer. He's, in fact, a thief. And he's... Wow. He's just like a hoodlum, bro. He's a, he's a thug. Like, just yeah. not a, He's not somebody that you would want your daughter to date, okay? Yeah. Like, he's just not... He doesn't qualify. So your, your daughter's not bringing him home. Patty's making a face over there. Uh, okay, okay. So as we read from the story, each year the Jews had a tradition that on the holy day, they would release one of the prisoners who's on death row. One of the prisoners who are on death row. So we have Barabbas, who's obviously rightfully there on death row. And then we know Jesus was betrayed by his own people, placed on death row, and accused for things that ultimately he was telling the truth of, right? Wow. So Barabbas is on death row. Barabbas' crime had placed him on death row. Barabbas' disobedience to the law had placed him on death row. Barabbas's sin had placed Barabbas on death row. Yeah. But, the, the, but the same thing is true about you and me. Our sin, 
our defilement, our disobedience has in fact placed us on death row. Amen. Romans 6 tells us, for the wages of sin is what? You know it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Your sin breeds death in your life. It breeds death. It breeds death in your life. Your life that you live not unto God, not glorifying God, is, is breeding death in your life. It's bringing destruction to your life. What feels like freedom, what feels like you living for yourself, what feels like I'm going to do me, what feels like you just wanting to be your own God, wow. is ultimately bondage, yeah. chains, leading you towards the grave. Yeah. That's good. It's breeding death in your life. In our sin, it doesn't just mean that we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. No. It doesn't just mean that you make mistakes. Your sin doesn't just mean that, oh, you know, I'm an imperfect person. Forgive me. We all have flaws. But your, yes, those things are actually true. But your sin, more than anything, makes you an enemy of a holy God. It makes you an enemy of a holy God. And there's no in-between. There's no in-between. You're either for God or you're against God. There's no in-between. There's no line that I get to walk and say I'm on both sides. You're either against God or you've accepted salvation through Jesus Christ. And you're a son of God. There's no in-between. Jesus didn't die for your half-hearted father. I promise you. You can't read anywhere in the Bible that it doesn't say, deny yourself, die to yourself, and radically chase after me. Men came to Jesus wanting to follow Jesus. Yeah. And he said to them, come follow me. And I said, oh, wait, let me do this first. Jesus was like, nah, bro, you're not for me. Because what? If you're not for Jesus, you're what? You're against Jesus. There's no in between. Come on, that's good. What does holy even mean? I looked this up right before. Okay. <laughs> Holy means set apart, exalted, or worthy of complete devotion. As one perfect in goodness and righteousness. That's not even a biblical definition. That's straight off Merriam-Webster. And I looked it up and I said, that's good enough. Set apart, exalted, or worthy of what? Complete devotion. As one perfect in goodness and righteousness. This is the God that we've been created in the image of. Wow. This is the God who out of his abounding and abundance of love who has existed for all of eternity has created you and I out of the abundance of his love because you're the object of his affection. You're the object of his affection. This is the one, this is the God who we were once in perfect union with. But through our disobedience, we have fallen and we have been defiled and we've chased after the, the the passions of our flesh. We've, we've chosen the passions of our flesh rather than choosing a holy God. We've taken our eyes. This is the chief sin, guys. We've taken our eyes off of God, the worthy one, seated high, lifted up, holy, righteous, good. And we've put ourselves in his place. We said, I'll make the rules. I'll live my own way. Yeah. We've taken our eyes off of God and we put them on ourselves. Wow. Rather than being in union with God, rather than humbling ourselves before his glorious throne, we chose to be our own God. Mm-hmm. But how many of you know that, that God's grace abounds so much more? Amen. Yeah. So much more. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Romans 3 and then we'll hop back in the story. Romans 3, starting in verse 10. Before I start, if you're wondering who this passage is about, it's about you. Point to your neighbor and tell him it's about you. Now take that same finger, point it back to yourself and say, oh man, it's about me. It's about me. 
Starting verse 10. It says this about you and I. No one is righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of snakes is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And, the paths, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be accountable to God. The whole world may be accountable to God, the creator of all things. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Verse 21, everyone say, but now. But now now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. What does that say? The righteousness of God is given through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. What does it say next? Read it out loud with me. Thank you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For some have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are justified by what? How are we justified? By His grace. As a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as appropriation by his blood to be received by faith. It's great news. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at present time so that he might be just and the justifier as the one who has faith in Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's a crazy passage, guys. It's crazy. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does appropriation mean? Appropriation is like, uh, like basically like paying a debt. So standing in place. Yeah, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is excused from that reality. Nobody. No one's excused from the reality. But no one, while no one is excused from the reality of sin, no one is disqualified from coming to Christ. Yeah, it's so good. That's so good. No one's disqualified from coming to Christ. It's, it's a both end. We have turned against an almighty God, and in the lust of our flesh, our lust has defiled us. We gave our lives to things. We're we're all going to submit to something. We're all going to live for something. We're all going to worship something. We're all going to give our attention to something. And what we've done when we've taken our eyes off of Jesus is we've we've given our lives to things that were never meant to be lived for. We started to worship things that are never meant to be worshipped. We started to give our attention to things that are not worthy of our attention. And it's defiled us. We, we think that we can become satisfied and fulfilled in the things of this world. And I promise you, speaking from experience, yeah. it, it won't do. Yeah. It won't do. You've been created by a perfect, holy, righteous God who loves you. And nothing can replace that. Nothing. That's good. That's good. Nothing. Amen. And because God is a good and righteous and just God, he's a good, righteous, and just judge, he has to deal with the issue of sin, right? Yeah, he does. He has to. A, a, a good judge is not a good judge. A just judge is not a just judge unless they deal rightfully with a crime. Wow. Yeah. Hey, come on. Wow. What does it say in Romans 3 that, that the law does? It brings knowledge of sin. And it, the Bible also says if you break one, Break all. We're guilty. And God has to deal with our guiltiness. God has to deal with the sin. He's a just God. 
Yes, He loves you. Yes, more than anything. And that's the motivation for everything He does. But because He loves you, He's also just and righteous. Amen. Sin was our problem to deal with. It was our debt to pay. It was our time to serve. And yet God in His abounding love dealt with it for us. So what did God do to deal with sin? Glad you asked. Philippians 2 says that though Christ was equal with God, though he was in fact God, he didn't count righteousness with God as something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself, came in the likeness of man, and he served humanity, lived a life we couldn't live, died a sinner's death that we deserve to die. That's good. He took the wrath of God on himself for sin that we were guilty of, that we were supposed to take. He got himself hung on a cross and took it upon himself so that you wouldn't have to experience the wrath that you brought into your life through sin. That's really, really good news, guys. That's really good news. That's great, man. You didn't escape the wrath of God by your own doing. You can't escape the wrath of God by your own doing. It's only through faith in Christ. But the good news doesn't stop there. How many of you guys know the end of the story? That Christ. Come on, guys. Didn't just die so you would be forgiven. But he went into the grave. And raised himself back into life. Defeated death, hell, sin in the grave. To prove. That in fact, because he is the creator of all things, that holds dominion over all, nothing, nothing, nothing has dominion over Christ. And while the serpent might have bruised his heel, he stomped the head of the serpent. And sin and death and hell has no hold over Jesus. If I know anything about God, it's that he reigns. And guess what? When you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, you've been tied. Bro. (laughs) Romans 5 says that you've been tied to reign in life with Christ. Did you guys earn that? Come on, God. The very maker who gave us life. The one who created all things. The very one that we have turned against is the one that reconciles. Come on, guys. And Jesus, he isn't just a symbol of love. He is, in fact, love itself. Jesus is not a desperate boyfriend waiting for you to come to him so you can feel loved and accepted again. He's a real man. The one true God who's been seated for all of eternity before the very foundation of the earth, who left his throne in heaven. He couldn't stand the thought of not having you. So he took action on your heart. And he knew that you and I couldn't work our way back to him. Couldn't reconcile ourselves. Couldn't clean ourselves up. So he did it for us. He didn't sit around and wait for you to figure it out. To get cleaned up. But he stood in your place. So you wouldn't have to. So that when you trust, if you would trust and believe in him you would be reconciled to God and saved. Yeah. Romans 3 also says, talks about how, how sin isn't something that can just be covered up by good deeds. Yeah. I can't do good deed here, bad deed here, two good deeds, okay, I'm right, right stand. No. Sin, one, one sin has defiled our being. One sin has defiled our being. And I can't work my way back into right standing. Right? I can't work my way to be clean. But it takes a washing to be clean. Right? If I go and I stand in the shower, okay? And I just turn the water on. I just had a long day, sweaty. I go and stand in the shower. And I just stand there and let the water flow over me. This might be a bad analogy. I don't know. This is just on the spot. 
and I let the water flow over me, and I don't wash myself with soap, I'm going to get out of that shower, and I'm still going to be dirty, guys. Some of y'all just felt convicted. (laughs) But to get in the shower, you actually have to take soap and wash yourself in order for you to be clean. Right? The intention to get in the shower was a good intention. It was a good thing. But it's the washing that makes you clean. Being a mostly good person doesn't save you. Only the washing of the blood of the Lamb of God saves us. Only the washing brings salvation. Jesus fulfilled the law that we couldn't uphold. Praise God for water. Jesus fulfilled the law that we could not uphold. Though our sin has made us destined for death and hell, lust, pride, gossip, lying, theft, envy, salvation and righteousness, right standing with God, has now been made made available, purchased, appropriation for our sins, purchased through Jesus. And the Bible gives a promise. And this is just so simple. It's, it's, it doesn't even make sense how like simple and just full of grace it is. That whosoever would repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ will be saved. You will escape the wrath of God that you have brought on yourself through your own sin by trusting and believing that Jesus Christ was in fact who he said he was. Died a death that you deserve to die. Stood in your place. Resurrected from the dead. So that sin has no hold over you anymore. That's insane. That's what, if you haven't made that decision in your life. Or maybe this is just hitting you in a brand new way. That salvation is available for you tonight. It, it's, it's a burden lifted off your shoulders. You don't have to work your way. Back into right standing with God. It's been made freely made available to you through the cross of Jesus. Through the cross. Let's go ahead and jump back into our story. Story of Barabbas. So the time has come of the holy day to release one of the prisoners on death row. So Pilate, seated as judge, he seemingly has the future, the destiny of these two men in his hands, in the palm of his hands. And Pilate audaciously presents Jesus, the son of the living God, perfect, blameless, sinless, righteous, holy. And he, he presents them as if him and Barabbas are equal. Barabbas, the notorious prisoner, murder, thief, thug. He presents them the same. And he looks at the crowd. Presents two men. He says, who do you want? Who do you want? This is crazy. There's no comparison, guys. It's blasphemous that Pilate would present Jesus equal with Barabbas. It's blasphemous. Barabbas is deserving of the cross. He's a rightful prisoner. He deserves the chains. Pilate says to the crowd, he says, what what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? Besides, open blind eyes. Let the land walk. Raise the dead to the light. What has Jesus done besides come to redeem humanity? What has he done? Pilate asked again, Who do you want? Who do you want me to release to you? And the crowd, they cry back at Pilate. And they say, Free Barabbas! Give us Barabbas! We want Barabbas! Roman guards, they come up, they unlock the chains on Barabbas, chains fall to the ground, 
Barabbas walks away free. While Jesus stands silently in the place that Barabbas once stood. Jesus stood where Barabbas was supposed to be standing. And I want to get something super, super, super duper clear here. That it wasn't Pilate that set Barabbas free. It wasn't the crowd that set Barabbas free. It wasn't even the Roman guards who had the actual key in their hands to unlock Barabbas' chains that set Barabbas free. But it was the love of Jesus that set Barabbas free. As Jesus, before the very foundations of the earth, saw Barabbas and him standing together on death row in that very moment, and he said, I love Barabbas. I want Barabbas to be free. It was the love that set Barabbas free, not the, not the Roman guards, not the crowd, not Pilate. It was the eternal love of Jesus that set Barabbas free. Yeah. It was Jesus in the giving up of himself and the love that he has for you that put him on the cross. The Roman guards didn't put him on the cross. The, the Jews that had turned against Christ did not put Jesus on the cross. Christ himself put himself on the cross. And it was the love that he has for you that drove him there. It was the eternal predestined plan of the Father to send his only begotten Son into the world to save the world. Jesus is known as the Lamb that was slain before the very foundations of the world. And it's in his great unfailing love that he came as a ransom for many. Don't ever get that confused. Don't ever get that confused. When the Roman guards, when Judas had betrayed Jesus and he brought the Roman guards to come get Jesus, Peter, love Peter, little sporadic guy, don't really know what Peter's about to do. Peter tries to kill the Roman guard and he swings his sword at the Roman guard. Roman guard ducks. Peter misses him, chops off Peter's ear. I mean, the Roman guard's ear. (laughs) Peter chops off the Roman guard's ear. Jesus picks up the ear off the ground places the ear back on the Roman guard as if this wasn't evidence enough that Jesus was in fact who he said he was, but we'll talk about that in another sermon. Jesus picks up the ear off the ground, places it back on the Roman guard's head. He could probably hear better than he ever had before. And Jesus, he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, how else will the scriptures be fulfilled? How else will the scriptures be fulfilled? It was the eternal purpose for Christ to go to the cross. How else will the scriptures be fulfilled? Hebrews 3 says that it was in fact fitting for Jesus to be the founder of salvation. What? It was fitting for Jesus, the son of the living God, perfect, blameless, sinless, to be the founder of salvation. Why? Why? Because no one else could establish and found and purchase salvation for you. It could only be Jesus, the one who and by and for all things were created through. Colossians 1. He was the founder of salvation and it was fitting because no one else could do it and no one else would do it. Muhammad couldn't and wouldn't do it. He didn't do it. Buddha couldn't and wouldn't and didn't do it. Your mom couldn't, wouldn't. And didn't do it. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody but but Jesus alone. Christ alone. God himself. Purchased salvation for you. And as it was in fact. Barabbas' cross. This this hit me. I'm like yo. That's crazy. While Yes. The, the cross that, that Jesus bore was the cross of humanity. It was my cross. It was your cross. We should have been on that cross. We deserved the cross. But I'm reading this, and I'm like, yo, if this was any other day and Barabbas was on death row, Barabbas would have been on the cross. It was, well, yes, it's, it's humanity's cross, and all of humanity's sin were, was poured onto Jesus, and the wrath of God for sin was poured onto Jesus on the cross. Not just Barabbas, not just mine, not just the humanities. 
But if it wasn't Jesus on the cross that day, it was in fact literally Barabbas' cross that Jesus bore. And I was, just, I, I was studying this and God just like spoke directly tomorrow. I'm reading it and he says, he says, Regan, the cry of the crowd to free Barabbas was not just the cry of the crowd, but it was my eternal cry as father to free Barabbas, to free Regan, to free Maddie, to free Tessa, to free Patty, to free Skylar, to free Brandon, to free Graham to free Landon, to free Steph, to free Lily. It was the eternal cry of the Father to free Barabbas. Mm, wow. Not just the cry of the crowd. Good. Wow, so good. And it's actually crazy if you think about it because it's like we read the story and we're like, man, the, the Jews, they, they chose wrong. Like, why would they choose Barabbas? Like, free Jesus, right? <laughs> just as, this is just a thought. It's not, not even in here. So free to take it home and ponder it. We think that the Jews made the wrong choice by choosing Barabbas. But what if it was in fact in the wisdom of God that he had the Jews choose Barabbas because there was no other way to establish salvation other than Christ going to the cross. And if the Jews would have chose Christ that day, you and me, dead in our sins. Still. Starting to wrap up here. I want to see a couple more things. So the name Barabbas, it's broken down like this in Hebrew. The prefix bar means son. You guys aren't ready for that. The prefix of Barabbas, bar, means son. And Abba in Hebrew, a lot of you know, means what? Father. Barabbas' name literally means Son of the Father. Now hold on. Let's, let's, let's think about this. This is not a mistake. So if you're wondering why Barabbas' name was even mentioned, I believe that here it is. This is my humble opinion. We're not here to hear my opinion today, but this is the word of the living God, and I believe that there's purpose and divinity in it. The name Barabbas literally means Son of the Father. So though Jesus is in fact the true and only Son of the living God. Son of the Father. The Jews chose Barabbas. Okay? And as the Jews chose Barabbas, Barabbas adopted Jesus' freedom and identity as son and went away free while Jesus adopted Barabbas' chains and bore his cross for him. In order for Barabbas to be set free, Christ had to be treated like Barabbas so that Barabbas could be treated like Christ. A few years back, I heard Judah Smith preach this, and he said that, bro, like, never forgot that. In order for Barabbas to be set free, Christ had to be treated as Barabbas so that Barabbas could be treated like Jesus. Barabbas adopted Jesus' sonship and freedom while Jesus adopted Barabbas' chains so he would be set free. And Barabbas was the first person to experience what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He's the first person in all of eternity to experience what Jesus accomplished on the cross. As Barabbas' chains broke and they fell to the ground, And he went away free. He was the first person to experience the freedom that the cross provides. The salvation that the cross provides. And there's there's no recollection or anything written that says that Barabbas even believed in Jesus. Or turned around to Jesus and and said, you are who you say you are. There's no... And that's probably a whole different thing that I'm not going to dive into. That's crazy. But there's a direct exchange. There's a direct exchange happening in the story of Barabbas. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For the one who knew no sin became sin. 
for our sake so that we can know the righteousness of God. There's a direct exchange that happens on the cross. There's a direct exchange that now when you put your faith in Jesus and the atoning work of the cross, where once stood brokenness, now stands wholeness. Where once stood questioning, now stands clarity and purpose. Where you once stood as an orphan, you now stand as son and as daughter. Where you once stood empty, you now stand fulfilled. Where once stood heaviness, now stands an easy and light burden. Where once stood bondage, now stands freedom. Where once stood sin and defilement, now stands the righteousness and holiness of God. Where you once stood guilty and full of shame, you now stand blameless and redeemed and hidden and clothed in the righteousness of God because of the blood of Jesus. There's a direct exchange. Wrapping up here. Last thing. What what does Pilate ask the crowd? What do you want? I believe that Pilate... Whether he knew it or not, probably didn't know it. He asked the most significant question in human history. He asked the question of salvation. As he presents both men, he asked the crowd, Who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you want? Do you want Jesus? Do you want eternal life? Do you want salvation? Do you want freedom? Do you want sonship? Do you want to experience love and grace and saving power? Or do you want Barabbas? Do you want bondage and slavery and sin? Do you want to live your own way? Do you want to continue to be your own God? Do you want death or do you want life? And there's no in-between. A choice had to be made on that day. And I ask you today, who do you choose? Who do you want? Do you want Jesus? Do you want eternal life? Do you want salvation? (laughs) We already talked about what the consequences of sin are. Death. This is not, like, this is not my opinion. This is the word of God. And it's really by his grace that he clearly states what it reads in our life. Death, defilement, abandonment, questioning. So I ask you today, and I'll have the band come back up. Who do you want? Who do you choose? Are you going to continue to settle for a half-hearted following of Jesus while the sin in your life breeds death? Or are you going to choose Jesus? Are you going to be sold out for Jesus? A radical following of Christ. Or maybe you've never even made that decision in your life. And you're sitting in here today. And you want to. I want every, every eye closed, every head bowed. As we go back into worship really quick. Can I get a couple of the student leaders to come up here actually? So I'm going to just have the student leaders up here as we go back into worship. Um, If you haven't made that decision in your life to give your life to Jesus, I promise you it's the best decision you've ever made. If you haven't made the decision, it's available to you tonight as a free gift. So we'll, we'll go back into worship, and I'll just have you guys come up and talk to a student leader. Um, there's no <laughs> guilt or shame in coming up here and acknowledging Jesus. This is a room that's, that's safe. We'll, we can, in a second, we can stand and go back into worship. But I just want you to spend a second with the Lord and allow him to search your heart. And if you have made a decision, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while now. But, but there's a half-hearted follow but you know that, that Jesus breathes life. But maybe you have some things in your life that, 
that are stealing your affection and stealing your attention, stealing your devotion. And we'll have the leaders up here to pray for that as well. Um, Yeah. The Bible says to repent and believe the gospel and you shall be saved. John 6 says, those who look to the Son, look to the Son, shall be saved. I believe that there's too much glory and beauty to be found in the Son. That you can't look at Him and not, and not want the beauty that's found in Jesus' face. So yeah, we can stand, go back into worship. Um, and if you, if you need prayer for anything, you can come up here. Um, if tonight's the night where you feel a tug on your heart, feel like God's calling you into repentance, to turn to Him and to throw your life on the reality of who Jesus is, you can stand. <laughs> Confess Jesus as your Lord. You can come up to one of us, me, Skylar, any of these leaders up here, whatever, and you can make that decision today. We'll walk you through that. So Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your gospel. And thank you for your cross, Lord. May we never become familiar with the cross. May we never grow weary or numb to the cross. It's beautiful. We love it. We love your cross, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for standing in my place when I didn't deserve it, when I was still in death and darkness and shame and guilt. Thank you for standing in my place and paying my debt. We love you, Jesus. We exalt you in this place tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Barabbas. May we never forget it, but live our lives daily to exalt you, to make you known. When we believe in the gospel, we we believe that the gospel breeds revival. The gospel breeds life. And it's the only solution to humanity. It's the only solution for this generation. So we will go and we will declare your gospel, your saving work, your saving gospel to this campus, to the nations, to the country. And Jesus, we desire to see you receive the reward that you pay for lamb that was slain. Draw hearts to repentance tonight, Holy Spirit. You're worthy, Jesus. Amen.